As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Friday edition, which means we are picking games against the spread. But first, we got to talk about a little bit of news. Our friend Nicole Auerbach, who you will hear later picking games, is at the college football playoff meetings in Dallas. And uh, those meetings wrapped on Thursday without a resolution about whether the new playoffs format is going to start in 2024. But Nicole, it, it sounds like they're not giving up on that idea. No, they're not. And, and that's notable. Um, you know, we're sort of like, pressing the different commissioners and executive director Bill Hancock afterwards being like, all right, but like, really, what did you get done? Because they haven't really had anything tangible. They can't come out. They haven't come out and said, okay, here's the start date. And you know, it's going to be December 12th or whatever, you know, 2024. They haven't done that. So one of them, John Steinbecker had a pretty interesting comment. And like, you know, we asked what was the most notable thing you guys accomplished? And he said that we're like continuing to push through this. Like it's very notable that they decided that they still believe they have time, even though that window is closing for 2024. And they think that they can get this done. Everyone is talking about progress. Everyone is remaining optimistic. All of the messaging is about, you know, trying to do this for 2024 because they, they already know they're going to do this by 2026, the latest. Um, Bill Hancock told us that, you know, Atlanta and Miami who are set to host you know, for the, the January 2025 national championship and 2026 national championship are both movable. They're able to move the dates of the title game to still be able to host it if they need to push it back a week or whatever that looks like for an expanded playoff. Um, so really, like, they continue to say that logistics, um, you know, figuring out how you're going to do on-campus games, what if the campus is closed for winter break, et cetera, et cetera, the NFL schedule for mid-December, all those things are still being worked through but i do think that it's fair to read into the fact that they decided not to give up on this that they are sticking this out that they can tell us that miami and atlanta can host those games i mean they're clearly working through these issues um and i think that if they had wanted to give up on the 2024 season they would have done that by now or they could have done it this week if they really if they they really thought it was not a possibility the shift in tone is amazing to me because, you know, we're like six months removed from them saying, well, it's impossible. We'll never get this done by 2024. <laughs> and, I, and I remember Greg Sankey mm-hmm. in, in, in May at the SEC meetings in Destin 
basically his tone was, we got to get started on something or we won't even be ready for 2026. And it's funny how when the presidents were like, hey, would you idiots please stop leaving money on the table and get this done? Stuff started happening. Sure did. And, you know, it was interesting, even at the last meeting a few weeks ago in Chicago, um, I, you know, Jack Swarbrick, Notre Dame athletic director, said something like, nothing is insurmountable. And I thought I found that that was really telling. And that's basically been the way that, you know, when you talk to people on and off the record about all of this, like, yes, there are issues. And it's funny because some of the complaining about some of the issues around the on field games or even just like acknowledging, OK, so, you know, you're going to have like less than two weeks to plan these. Um, you know, how do you shut down the campus and arrange for all these things? And you're talking to all these folks, you know, who work for game day operations on different campuses about how you do that. What happens if there's finals? Again, what happens if the campus is closed or it's a holiday or whatever, right? And I've said this on the radio. I've said this on podcasts, probably on this feed. And people take that as, oh my God, they're not going to do the on-campus games. They're already coming up with excuses. So I specifically asked Bill Hancock that. I was like, so like that's locked in, right? And he said, yes. Like those games, that first round is going to be on campus. So yeah, let's, 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 play the the, com- the, let's play the common sense game. Like in these little college towns where seven Saturdays a year put businesses in the black, mm-hmm. giving them an eighth one where everybody's really, really excited about it. They're going to figure out how to make it work. Exactly. And, and so, but that was one of those things where like you hear people talk about the challenges and you're like, okay, but are those actual deal breakers or are those just things that are going to be difficult, but you're going to work through them. And so it feels like there are a number of other things related to this playoff expansion about doing it in time for the 2024 season that are like that, right? Where it's, maybe it sounds like a little bit of complaining, or maybe it sounds like, oh my gosh, these are really challenging situations or difficult, or there's more obstacles than we thought. But do we think that we're going to get there, right? And that's really where I think when they talk about optimism and continuing to work through stuff, that's what it is. Because these issues around what days are you going to play the games, how many, if any, are you going to go head-to-head with the NFL, all of that stuff is doable. You know, you just dig in on it. You just decide certain things. I, I do think like dealing with the bowl contracts, because you do have these bowls that are locked in for the final two years of the current contract, and they, you know, don't want to give up those those valuable spots that they have in, let's say, a semifinal or whatever it might be. When that round becomes a quarterfinal in an expanded playoff, like those are real issues. These are contracts. You do have to get out of them. This this is always going to be a challenge. The dates of the games, when you're going to play them, TV windows. Those are always going to be a challenge. But again, it just feels like these these things are things that they're just going to talk about and they're going to make it seem very difficult, but they're still going to be able to get to the finish line if they really want to. That's exactly right. Nicole, speaking of difficult, you have a bet to pay off. So I think we're going to, we're going to travel back slash forward in time and you and Ari at the CFP meetings are going to pick some games and you're paying off a bet. Thank you, Nicole. All right. I am worried about my future self. (laughs) Your past future self. I love my past future it. Almost self. like we don't know, know what happens. I know, where, I know where this is going and it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. It's another two people in person, one person remote episode. Only this time, it is Ari and Nicole at the college football playoff meeting where they're trying to logistically figure out if they can get this thing started by 2024. Uh, and I am am back home, but the good thing about them being together, 
we're going to pick games. We got lots of games to pick, but Nicole has to pay off a bet first. This goes back to UCLA and Washington. Uh, yes, but hello. Greetings from the Dallas Fort Worth airport. We are thriving, thriving. I just can't wait to, to be a part of the bet payoff where I'm next to the person suffering. So we got the full fat cottage cheese. We figured uh, you're only going to take one spoonful. Uh, so we wanted it to be as pleasant as possible from a flavor standpoint. But Nicole, I think the most important thing we need to do is show the spoon options and see what Andy has to say about that. So that's All the right. first spoon. Okay. Okay, right. That's a Prepare soup ladle. Side. Yes. That's so not a spoon. The size of my head. Okay. Yeah. Not not a spoon. Disqualified. That's a mixing spoon. It's a spoon. It's a spoon. I'm thinking about it. Okay. That mm, nice medium sized. It's, I think it's, that's a serving spoon. It's a serving spoon. Right. It's more than a it's teaspoon. It's what you would put in like mashed potatoes. At more than a tablespoon. And There's a tablespoon. Okay. Yep. These are the options. So I'm, I'm wondering. Serving spoon. Option three. It's the third. It's the, the second smallest. You do not get to choose. I get to I don't. choose. Does, I'm wait, no, I think one. I think what we need to do is come up with some sort of game where if we ask her a trivia question or something that she is penalized with the spoon size. But we'll take the two wooden spoons off because we like you, okay? Those are out, okay? I think those are, are, are patently unfair. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you Okay, you well, I just wanted to make sure we had options. Ari's been sending me threatening photos of wooden spoons all week. <laughs> <laughs> You can't report those because people will be like, what, what, what does it mean? He's sending you spoons? What does that mean? Can I just pick the small spoon? Yes, pick the small spoon. Because if it's anything like me and the mayo, the spoon size doesn't matter. If you just hate it and you have a visceral reaction, it won't matter. Now, now the thing about the, the, the size of the you got to cover the spoon. Okay. Like none of that. Like, what is that? Texture. What's that right there? That's that's okay. a lot of unused land. Um, it's the texture is terrible. <laughs> oh my god. Ew. Okay. I no. just want Greg Sankey and and Jim Phillips and Kevin Warren to walk out Get and see I'm this. I'm gonna let right Ari feed it to me. Do you want me to feed it to yes. you? Yes. Okay. But I'm not gonna have it all in one scoop. <laughs> oh god. All in. This one scoop. This could be terrible. Oh, oh, she's gagging. She's gagging. No. Oh, oh. This is like me with the mayo. Take this away from me. <laughs> See, she's actually suffering. I know. It's like me with me. It doesn't matter. Like when your body decides it doesn't want something, there's nothing you can do about it. Like cottage cheese for me, not something I'd seek out, but I could always Stop eat Stop staring it. at me. I want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, isn't she's, that Bob Bowlesby? Did he come say hi to his old friends? So I guess like the entire point of this, like, spoon size was kind of funny but she only took a bite out of the front of it and it tortured her so i think that's sufficient oh she I wanted she when i suffered. Her, i wanted her to eat the whole thing i wanted her to like jump all the way in the back but based on that reaction that was like an andy mayo like reaction yeah. so yeah when your really body doesn't terrible? want it you're done it's I over i can't handle the texture that is disgusting the taste <laughs> is fine right it tastes like fine but it's a texture like that's the the gag reflex like it's like these little chunks of of cheese like bad cheese right isn't it like cheese curds essentially yeah it's it's not like going well for that cheese. cheese i can't do anymore i can't do anymore no, no, it's fine thank you okay, you, I, you did have, it you paid your bet you have been punished for believing in the huskies 
over Chip Kelly's rolling death machine that he's created in Westwood. So uh, it is. Wow. Actually, since since we're we're already talking about that, I, I think it is time for what to watch for presented by Sling and the what to watch for game is on Fox. It is Oregon and UCLA. And uh, the Ducks are, are favored in this game. So you know, I think we should let Nicole talk about UCLA. She earned that. Yes, yes. Talk about how in. much you love <laughs> UCLA and how much you believe in the Bruins. I, I fully believe in the Bruins. Love UCLA. Um, actually put them on. I did a list, which if any of our listeners, um, you guys are obviously great college football fans. And also maybe your team, maybe your team is disappointing you or whatever. I made a list of teams that if you're looking for a second half team, that's fun. You could adopt them. If you want to get emotionally invested in another team, that's entertaining and fun. UCLA is one of the teams that I picked. Like this is a very fun offense. I love the DTR, Jake Bobo, Zach Charbonnet combo. But yes, I did learn after that game, I, I still taste the cottage cheese in my mouth. Like it's in the back of my throat. <laughs> the texture's not never you know, leaving. No, no, you. but now, but I can, I can feel the texture. Like I can feel the chunks of cottage cheese in I'm the back save of my that throat for later episodes. <laughs> what if we just make Nicole do the same bet? Over no, and over absolutely over not. How do I get the Taco Bell bet? <laughs> or the, well, wait, the, you the had a chance, one. but you, you, you chose correctly. You chose Michigan, Homer. <laughs> I. Uh, we did, you know, Ari and I texted during that game, Andy, and we were like, wow, that was the easiest bet we've made in a long time. Um, I but, still think that Andy chose Penn State on purpose. I'll never, I'm going to go to my deathbed thinking. How does he continue to have bets that are like that and getting a pedicure? We need to, we need to, to vet these a little bit better, but no, I, so I, I like UCLA. I think this is a really great game. This goes to, we've talked about this on the show about, the Pac-12 being stronger and deeper than it's been in recent years. This is a great example of that. And um, I, I just think it's going to be really, really fun. Oregon's been a much better team since week one. And, like, there's going to be some offensive fireworks in this one. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the way UCLA is built. It's kind of similar to Michigan. You know, Zach Charbonnet probably feels like it's a pretty familiar situation him coming from Michigan and, and being at UCLA now, but uh, it, it is, they, they will get after you on the ground, but Jake Bobo has really opened up that offense. He, he gives them somebody on the outside that you've got to really worry about. And I think when, when you have to load the box as much as you have to do to deal with Charbonnet and Dorian Thompson Robinson running, it makes it very difficult to defend they're getting six points here. I am tempted to take UCLA here. I, I think I'm going to take UCLA here to, I don't know if they're going to win outright, but I, I feel good about them covering with six. Yeah. My number one fear always when it comes to the stuff guys is that we're always very prisoner of the moment with everything and not just the three of us, everyone. And you know, you think one thing one week and then the exact opposite happens the next week. And I really like everything that you guys both said about UCLA. In fact, it seems like they're more diverse offensively and more physical offensively than they've been. And you like to think that this is the culmination of what the mad scientist, you know, Chip Kelly has been building there. Um, but how good is like we we're so focused on talking about UCLA and the fun run that they're having. How good is Oregon? Well, this will like, this will help tell us that because like Noah Sewell, for example, might have been designed in a lab to deal with an offense like this. 
He's not been as dominant this season as he's been in other seasons, but you're talking about a 260-pound linebacker who can play sideline to sideline. Like this and is you the have type that, of per- that one player that can blow up the entire offensive philosophy. Yes. This and is the type that- of person designed to deal with this offense. And you know, we talked about UCLA having a diverse but physical offense. So does Oregon. So yeah. Oregon's going to do the same thing to that so, UCLA defense that UCLA is doing everybody else. We're so focused on what happened to Oregon against Georgia. And it's like, if that game didn't exist like it does every other year, then I think we might not be thinking this. Right. I, I feel like if that game got played now, it would not be the way that it went. And I just think about how differently you'd see maybe both of those teams. I mean, I think Georgia's a good team, but we thought coming out of that game that they like weren't going to give up a single point this season right like we thought it was going to be just incredibly lopsided games and we thought that Oregon was really not good like both of these teams are obviously not as good or as bad as they were in that game and I just think that it would be played differently and we would be talking about Oregon so differently um without that I mean coming out the BYU game when that was kind of their coming out party of like no this is this is a good football team Um, But this is a massive one, I think, for both teams. I'm riding with my Bruins. I've learned my lesson. So I will go down with that If Oregon covers, I'm going to fly to Chicago and feed you more of that next week. (laughs) Absolutely not. We are not repeating bets. We just decided this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to repeat the Taco Bell bet either. We're going to pick a different restaurant that we need $30 worth of food from. Next time he gets a hand massage with some hot wax and manicure. That's his his punishment. And I get to walk (laughs) into traffic. That's the way it works. (laughs) Exactly. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we we've got a I've got a, a spread and an over under here presented by our friends at BetMGM, and I had to go on the BetMGM app right before we recorded this here on Thursday afternoon to look because this line has moved and it's moved in a in a direction I didn't see it moving. But Iowa now a thirty and a half point underdog at Ohio State. The number on this game is still forty nine point five. So they're just so, taking points away from Iowa. They, they, right, exactly. They, they've left the total the same, yet removed a point from Iowa. We've talked to Scott Docterman. We, we tortured Scott Docterman on this show, making him talk about Iowa's offense. But how bad is this going to be with them playing against Ohio State's defense? Go ahead, Miss Big Ten Network. <laughs> okay. Is this microphone this on? Is, it's the right side, yeah. Oh, this thing is on, yes. Yeah, just right here. Okay. All right, I see it now. 
Um, okay. We're just having a lot of technical difficulties over here. I'm still trying to recover from the cottage cheese, which of course you made me do at the beginning of the show. So I'm very distracted. Uh, so I, I think that Ohio State is a very good football team. They have not like I, I'm interested in this game because of Iowa's defense. Like it's going to be interesting to see a, you know, if Ohio State is fully healthy or healthier than they've been. And also just what CJ Stroud looks like under a little bit of pressure or a lot of pressure. I mean, we haven't seen this. Like we're looking for moments where Ohio State has been tested. And as it turns out, that Notre Dame game was not really a good example of anything. So we're still still have some questions about them. But this is a great offense. They have a bunch of different weapons. They've won a bunch of different games. They've kind of picked, you know, different guys to feature who are going to beat you, tight ends, running backs, receivers, whatever. They're going to be able to cover this, I think. The question is, like, is Ohio State going to – or, sorry, is Iowa going to score? And and we say this every week, but it's like if the defense doesn't literally score itself – I don't know. I don't know how many points that they are going to get. They have four touchdowns on the season. Yeah. And a couple like, of safeties in the, in the first game and a couple of safeties. So again, we, we're still waiting to see exactly where this Ohio state defense has improved. It's played well so far, but this isn't going to be a good measuring stick at all because you know, I was going to really struggle. So I don't, I don't know how many they're going to, score i don't know if it's going to be double digits but i do think that ohio state can cover my my fear i, kinda, here, I like this the spread as it's getting up if it gets up over to 31 um i kind of like that now listen I, I, you mean like iowa to yeah, cover at that point yeah i mean i think we're getting to the point now where this is like a group of five spread <laughs> you know and it is you know and i think that um if you've watched Ohio State, cj stroud threw a pick six on a miscommunication with a young wide receiver michigan in the michigan state, state yeah. game they muffed a punt um, against Rutgers at the beginning of the year. This is a team that has been at times susceptible to making bonehead mistakes. Now, I think I've read their last 38 drives. They've scored offensive touchdowns on 30 of them. But how much – we talk all week, every week, about how awesome Iowa's defense is. Like, is Iowa's defense – how many – if they have 10 drives, how many stops does Iowa get? Okay, here, get here's, my fe- here's my fear on this. There are some offenses that are so good that it doesn't matter how good the defense is. I know, but if it is a good defense, three out of 10 possessions are stops. That's a really good touchdowns. That's 49 points. Yeah, but I think kicking a field goal is not a stop, is it? Also, remember, Iowa's Iowa's offense is going to put Ohio State's offense in some good spots. Absolutely. Uh, Although, Tory Taylor, great punter, first team All-American punter. You got to get to fourth down to punt, Nicole. That's that's what I'm worried about. (laughs) That's true. I, I just think I think Ohio State is going to be able to do what they want. I think that there's just not again, unless you get defensive points. I'm just not sure where Iowa is getting points. I'm against you guys on this. Um, I I think that this spread is a little bit too much. And every single time we come into a football game saying, "How on earth is this team going to score?" I mean, they score like when we covered the Alabama A and M game. I was like, "How is A and M going to score a point?" And they scored like what was the final score? I mean, they they scored four yeah, touchdowns. Alabama kept giving them the ball in good field position. That's how they, they scored. did. That's right. I know, but this is but Iowa's defense scores a touchdown every week. Like, I mean, I know Ohio State is good, but like, I think in order for them to cover the spread, they have to win forty nine to nothing or were thirty five to nothing, and maybe that'll happen. But I I don't know if it's going to be a shutout. I, I'm on Ohio State. Even if it goes up another point, I'm on Ohio State. Sorry, thirty one and a half. I don't know. Same. I'm with you, Andy. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't have I think Iowa's defense, as good as they've been, 
won't be good against this offense. But we got to talk ACC, Battle of the Undefeateds, Clemson and Syracuse. Syracuse is a 13 and a half point dog going down to Clemson. Syracuse played a very close game against Clemson last year and wasn't nearly this good. Now, Clemson probably wasn't nearly as good either. But historically, this series has been pretty interesting. I mean, 2018, Chase Bryce has to come in and and basically save Clemson with a miracle fourth down pass. 2017, Syracuse wins on a Friday night. So I I had Dabo Sweeney on a radio show on, on Wednesday, and he was... Very complimentary of what Syracuse has done. And and one thing, guys, I, I love about Syracuse this year, you know, Dino Babers is not one of those guys who like, this is my offense. We're just going to do this and we'll do this forever. You know, he brings in Robert and I and Jason Beck after they leave Virginia. And they've incorporated so much cool physical stuff. And they've turned Garrett Schrader into this just touchdown machine. And it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, Sean Tucker was one of the best running backs in the country last year that probably people are not paying attention to or watching. Um, and, you know, Syracuse has been fortunate. I mean, they were gifted all the penalty yardage against Purdue in the final minute. And so, again, like there, there were moments where they could easily have not been undefeated here. I want to talk a little bit about Clemson, though, because I feel like they are weirdly underrated, which is wild to say about a top five team. They've been in the top five the entire season and no one is talking about them. There's this no way. juice. Well, there is juice if you watch them. No, like, there's no juice about them. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no juice about them. And like obviously we we all watched the shootout against Wake Forest. So we were like, all right, well the defense, the defense, blah blah blah. The defense is okay. It's been and fine. They had it's guys the hurt same. in the secondary that game. Yeah, and it, but it's also it's not the same, you know, as it always was and Brent Venables isn't there. But DJ Uyunglele has played really well this season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that. They still think that he is a problem. The Kate Klubnik conversation went away entirely. Dabo stuck with DJ and he was correct in that. And it's working. And I think too, we were talking about this on Power Hour earlier this week with, with Grace Rayner. They're really good in the middle eight, those four minutes at the oh, yeah. end of the first half and the four minutes after halftime. So there's been games where they were sluggish start, or you look at the score, you watch a little bit in the first half, and it's eh. Not, kind of unimpressive, or even if you look at the final score, Florida State's comeback at the end of the last game, or whatever, right? You're like, eh, they're like, okay. No, they've actually been really good at pulling away from teams, and, and the games are over in that middle eight period. Um, so anyway, I just think that we're weirdly not talking about Clemson, which is shocking because they've got a very clear path to the playoff and to an ACC championship. Yeah, and Will Shipley is such a weapon for them. Uh, Travis Etienne had to learn to catch the ball out of the backfield. It wasn't something that that he had done coming out of high school. Will Shipley was kind of an all-purpose back from the get-go. And so he's learning to be better as a runner in college. And I don't know that he'll ever you know, be as good of a runner as Travis Etienne was, but that is a very high bar. Yeah, I uh, I think it's possible that like the spread would be like 27. I don't what think do so. I think we're going to do AirPods now because this might okay. be so funny. Uh, so... The thing that I think is the most interesting about this is, is that one, if you watch the Georgia Tech game, which everybody in America did, you saw, and this isn't fair, so don't, but you saw what disaster mode of Clemson looks like. And I think that we're all kind of in that intersection, and Andy is way past it because he thinks that's over with, that's done. But like, I'm like sitting there every week waiting for Clemson's offense to go three quarters looking like completely inept. And maybe that's not fair, but like, this 13 and a half point spread, maybe that's because 
you know, people are giving a lot of credit to Syracuse and rightfully so because they're seven and zero. But like this team is not a national title contender, right? Syracuse, no, I don't. But they're think getting so. a, they're getting thirteen and a half points against the top five team. That means there is some deficiencies, both or either in the way that we view Clemson. What or, do you think team. that the spread would be for Georgia then? Twenty-seven and a half. 30. I don't think so. You don't I, think so? No, I think it'd be like fifteen. Uh, Syracuse is a good team. Syracuse is, and also the way Syracuse plays, more like twenty. I think it'd be way more than fifteen. I, I don't know, and you you guys are just SEC homers. That's all there is to it. I actually yeah, I've been like constantly been confused. That. Of like, I'm not. I've, I've had these comments on my stories. I'm not going to read Ari anymore because he left Big Ten country and let Andy Staples. Uh, it's Andy because Staples. you did the road trip. No, no, I poisoned your mind. Poisoned my mind into being an SEC lackey, and I sold my soul to climb the corporate ladder. And <laughs> That's yes. exactly what I think of when I think of Ari Wasser. <laughs> yes, me, 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 and every NFL. Me and every NFL general manager over the past twenty years has uh, has. When I lived in Columbus, I, I never thought that mind. Alabama was any good. Yeah, uh, but it's funny because I just. There's something off with Clemson, and I don't know what it is. There is something off. I'm telling you, they're not going to win the national title. So you say this. This is what I say about Clemson. They're going to win this game, and it may be close. Syracuse may even cover. They're going to win this game, and we're going to forget about them. And they're going to keep winning, and they're They're going to beat— Win the yeah. ACC they're going to beat a bad coastal up. champ in the in the championship. We've already and, forgotten about them. We don't talk about and them. They're, and they're going to yeah. they're going to be in a semi. By six. They're going to be in a semi against the SEC champ or Ohio State or somebody. And then they're going to get their doors blown. Off. No, that team's <laughs> going to flip. They'll play them better than everyone thinks because yeah. no one's been watching. Yeah. Yeah. That, that team that oh team's going to flip the tape on, and they're going to go. Tyler Davis, Brian Brissie. KJ Henry, Xavier Thomas, Miles. Oh my God! Is that's what they're going to say? Is DJ a first round draft pick? All of a sudden? No, no, not but yet. he doesn't have okay. to be. He's no, much like, better. He's just like a about, much like, better the quarterback. Physical attributes. What is he? Six five. He weighs two hundred and forty pounds and can throw the ball hundred yards. Like I mean, that's like the better version of Jamarcus Russell if he would have watched tape, right? An- like, another <laughs> season of this, and he's probably a first-round draft pick. Yeah. So, like, if he, but if he plays like if he's playing at a level where he's like headed toward back to first-round pick territory, then I guess I could buy it. But they don't have the same dynamic receivers that they had, like the Justin Rosses of the world and Sammy Watkins going back a while ago. Like, who's their most dynamic receiver? Do we even know? Like. I'm Joseph Ngata, probably Bo, Bo Collins. Good, I think Bo Collins is probably the the guy that, that you're most worried about. T. Higgins was there. Yeah, but Ngata was the guy who was like care is getting carrying the torch from those guys. I think that's yeah, who they thought. So that's would who be they the thought next. was going to be. Yeah. The guy, so. But yeah, I mean, T. Higgins and Justin Ross were on that team at the same time. I mean, they were, they were awesome. Yeah, they were guys yeah. You, just, you just throw a bunch of 50-50 balls, deep balls. So I, I don't they know. Do have one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Yes, they do. And again, like I, just I, I think will point out that freshman Antonio Williams leading them in receptions and receiving yards, twenty-four catches for three hundred thirty-four yards. Now he's not have, averaging options. a huge amount, but he's he's given them another Their leading receiver has three hundred thirty yards. They're winning games, Ari. They are. They're sort of, kind of. They are. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. They're undefeated. All, All right, guys. I'm with you, Andy. Let us let us go to the place that has poisoned Ari's mind: the SEC. Homer. S-E-C. Ole Miss S-E-C. at LSU. Ari fell in love with Oxford. 
during our time there, and who can blame him? Uh, but Ole Miss started this week as a two-point favorite and is now a two-point underdog in this game. Uh, I realize Jaden Daniels looked a lot better against Florida, and Ole Miss had a very bad time stopping Auburn's run game and let Auburn throw for some long turned out conversions which was kind of weird. Have we have we just bailed on Ole Miss? I'm not ready to bail on Ole Miss yet. Sorry. Are you taking the points here? Oh, I, I'll take I'll take Ole Miss in this one. Yeah. The question I have is: Has Ole Miss faced a team this year that presents the challenges in the middle of the defense that LSU does from just a pure body standpoint? Kentucky has a very athletic defense, like Jordan Wright. Jaquez Jones, like they, they've got guys in, at linebacker who are a problem. Uh, they've got more run stuffers up front, but LSU, like they lost Mason Should they Smith. have won that game though, right? Like, I mean, they could easily have lost that game. But they did win I, that I, game. <laughs> but they did, I know. But what I'm saying is I, I just think that Ole Miss, Ole Miss's schedule is so backloaded mm-hmm. that I can see why people would be jumping off the bandwagon a little bit, or at least a little bit hesitant about them in the second half. And listen, again, I put them as one of the fun teams that you should be watching in the second half because their games have been an adventure. They can run the ball. They're doing all these different things. Um, But I do wonder because, you know, you've got a bunch of games on the road. You've got a bunch of games against ranked teams now. Like this is where we actually learn if Ole Miss is good. I I think you're right. And, I, I think this this line is an overreaction to LSU beating Florida in Gainesville last week, and I'm not sure it needs to be. And and probably an overreaction to how bad Ole Miss's defense was against Auburn. And let's not forget, Ole Miss went up 21 nothing in that game. The and pro- then they kind of the problem with this game is that you have multiple variables of of uncertainty. One is is Jaden Daniels actually going to throw the ball with confidence to the really good receivers? And is uh, Ole Miss going to be able to run the ball uh, in tight situations against an athletic LSU defense? You know, and that's to me, uh, this is an unbettable game to me. I would never put my real money on this game. Maybe I'd wait till maybe live to see if I can get a touchdown from somebody. But, you know, I one time this year bet an LSU game because the line didn't make any sense. And I thought that, well, there's no reason why. Why would Tennessee only be a three-point favorite at LSU? I bet LSU, and I got my doors blown off. So I'm not going down this road again. Well, let's- I was I was going to say that real quick. I would not pick any LSU game this year. LSU Florida was one of the scariest possible games to look at and try to have any sense of how the game was going to go. So I have been with you, Ari. I don't think that anyone should ever bet an LSU game this season. You just do not know what's going to happen with Jaden Daniels or just in general, like. Are, you know, are they going to get blown out? Are they going to su- suddenly, you know, kind of figure some stuff out and, and play a team hard? You just, you, you just don't know. I think Ole Miss wins outright. I, I just do. I, I think both performances last week that felt anomalous were anomalous, and that's. I, I think it's, it's kind of back to, back to what they normally are this week. But speaking of weird lines. I want to go to a what does Vegas know that we don't line. Texas is a six and a half point favorite in Stillwater playing Oklahoma State. And would I be surprised if Texas won this game? No. But I'm surprised at this line. 
yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen here, but everybody who looks at this line says, uh, what the hell is Vegas doing? I'm going to take the points automatically. And anytime everybody automatically jumps to think the same exact thing, I get scared. You say that every single time. I get, well, I feel like I don't like betting with the public. Hmm. I think the public is going to be very much on Oklahoma State this week. And the public is wrong a lot, most of the time, because we're dumb. It's true, <laughs> but it's very tempting. <laughs> this is like Steve. totally, you would think that just based on all the narratives as it pertains to this game would be, Oklahoma State always plays these types of games close. It's a very hard place to play. The fans Coming are on top of you. Loss. Texas always loses these games historically. You're but almost Texas getting doesn't a always lose these games because Oklahoma State is considered a good Big 12 team. So this is one they'd be up for, not one that they'd get shocked. And in. I also just think that this is a good football team. Like, I think Texas can be, uh, you know, again, we've seen the shakiness even with Quinn Ewers back, but like they can be a good football team. So they could cover this on the road against a good Oklahoma State team. So wait, are we on the same side? I think I like Texas in this game. Same. Even though it doesn't make sense. Because my heart... Well, that's because you love Texas. My heart says Oklahoma. You mean Oklahoma State? But my (laughs) mind is like, this makes no sense mathematically, so fade the math. (laughs) We know how you feel about math. I love that. It makes no sense, so we're going to go with it. I, I... I mean, I've lost a lot of money in my life betting on things like this that make you feel like, and then the game happens, and it's like, what the hell was that? I I realize we're jumping around by conference, but I want to throw another one at you guys that I saw and was like, this doesn't make any sense either. Why is Purdue getting points at Wisconsin? Purdue's a a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. shocked by this line. Wisconsin is back, baby. They got got a new coach that they're going to hire. They lost to Michigan State. They're back. They would have lost lost the Michigan the Michigan State game in other regular years. Michigan State's awesome. I cannot believe this is one of the worst brand name betting lines that I have seen all season. It's well, crazy, right? Purdue, Purdue is. I've been saying this. They're a choose your own adventure team. Like it's like a it's, dysfunctional or awesome team, and it doesn't it's matter. Incredibly fun, but <laughs> the game will come down to like the final minute, no matter who they're playing. Whatever it is, but and that's why you're not quite getting a field goal in this game. It's a, which yeah. is fine, but like on paper and in actuality, they're the much they're a better team than Wisconsin, and should be favored in this. But they also they've lost 15 straight, and you know again I guess you know people are overreacting maybe to what we saw against Northwestern. I think we've done this a few times this year. Everyone needs to stop overreacting to teams beating Northwestern. Like people thought <laughs> that that meant Wisconsin had figured some stuff out. That was not true. I think then this is going to be trouble for them, but I, I guess it's because Purdue's played a lot of close games. The defense is better at times, and it's just been a wild, weird season for them where like they could be undefeated. They could also have two more losses. You just like you, it, it has been a weird team, but they are better than Wisconsin on paper. I'm telling you, I can't wait for the Purdue Illinois game. Are you oh, being sarcastic? No, it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah it's no, the Big Ten really West excited. Championship yeah. game. It's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you, Nicole. I think Purdue's got this one too. If it, you know, this is the type of game where this is the exact opposite of what I was just saying. Where most people be like, "Ah, Wisconsin at home, Purdue sucks." But but like, like, if you actually are paying attention, Purdue's a pretty good football team. And they also working. can run the ball and have run the ball, which is also a weird thing for a Jeff Brom offense. But like, that's coming together. They can win. They can win the game in different ways, which is what I'm saying. And Again, I just think Wisconsin's clearly got some deficiencies and some problems. I'm with you, Purdue. Well, all the way all you have to ask yourself is, do you think Wisconsin, as currently constituted, 
is about the same as Minnesota minus Mo Ibrahim because that's what Purdue played and beat on the road playing that team Martin. style. Do they jump around in Minneapolis? <laughs> they do not. The, you cannot hear the bolts Got in the stadium creaking. Wow, what an SEC homer question. <laughs> wow. Wow. SEC homer. You are a giant SEC homer. Also, I hate Texas, apparently, and my wife went to a and I don't know if you know that. Oh, actually, I'm glad you brought them up because when we come back, we're going to talk about Texas A&M and a game that could mean meltdown city in College Station. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So the Aggies headed to South Carolina. Texas A&M is a three-point favorite. When last we saw Texas A&M, they were on the goal line. Haynes King had just thrown me a pass. And they had a chance to beat Alabama. They did not. The last time we saw South Carolina, Shane Beamer is in his sunglasses and dancing after they beat a Will Levisless Kentucky. Will Levisless. Say that three times fast. Oh, Levisless. Levis, Levisless. Levisless. Ah, you can't even get two. Levisless. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> so I have no idea what happens in this game. I really don't. I, I know that. A&M looked good against South Carolina last year. Obviously, different teams, but uh, you know South Carolina gave A&M a get-right game last year, essentially. But South Carolina in a much better place this year than when they played that game last year. This is this is fascinating to me because I, I think South Carolina is playing very well. If if you quizzed a bunch of college football fans and what's and said what's South Carolina's record, I don't think many of them would guess four and two. Like. I don't know. I, I, A&M's the better team. They're the more talented team. The question is, how do they respond to that Alabama loss where they were they were right on the doorstep? Do they? Do it's they- also the team that I think that you could trust the least in terms of what you're going to get. Like I think when it comes to South Carolina, you know what you're going to get. You might get some weird turnovers, uh, but the team has played rather consistently within the realm of who they are, whereas A&M against Alabama was able to capitalize and force some turnovers. Um, score some points and put themselves in a position to win, but at the same time, might not get a first down for three quarters. So, like, I don't know. What- yeah, this is another one that's like you kind of nervous about picking either side. I kind of lean A and M because these are some of those games where you're like they they have to win, right? You know, like it's as close to a must win as as you kind of have just for you know your fan base not going off now, the ledge. Here's what you could do: you could just bet A and M money line minus one sixty. And if they lose, at least you get to be entertained by what happens afterwards. Just like hedge your happiness a little bit. Oh, it will that's, be wild. Are you? You talked fair. about it on the last show. The the ten year contract. I mean, this this will be the first one that just completely melts down with one of those contracts. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we want to go two for two on ten year contract meltdowns, but you know, I am not in disaster mode with Texas A and M yet. My wife went there, obviously, uh, so I'm a huge Aggie. And look at my. The sh- the, color of my hoodie here no I, I think that if they lose this game the entire temperament of how we view Jimbo Fisher changes like I think the stakes of this game are actually really high um and like I'm one of the last remaining stay on the board stay on board the ship isn't sinking yet the ship isn't sinking if they lose to South Carolina that's like a Titanic iceberg or at least like the music playing you know the like well yeah the up, violins yeah. the violins are starting <laughs> but again it's sort of like what can you do you can't do anything about this so i feel like that is a different level of despair as well for fan bases but but i also think some of the thing when we talk about like maybe people don't realize you know how south carolina has played or or the record 
again, it's sort of like we were talking about this earlier in the show, but you get trounced by Georgia and people remember that. It's a very yes. memorable loss. It's like Oregon. That was a real yeah. and, and right. And so I think that that kind of shapes some of this as well about what it means to play South Carolina, who we're expecting to win. And everyone is sort of just also willing Texas A&M to actually live up to expectations, which obviously like the overall goals of the season are no longer there for them. But at some point they have to play well, right? But expectations for this year were out of whack for A&M because people thought they had a chance to win the SEC. But the one thing I will say for sure is that what year, what people, uh, a lot of people thought that they were going to be in position to win after what they did. I I was wrong. No, 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 no. I think people thought they could be the third best team in the sec, but even, even so, even so being the third best team in the sec behind those two monsters is a really, really good football team. And I think we thought they'd be better than eight and four. They're not people allowed the recruiting class from last year to kind of leak into expectations on the field. They should be better than eight, but that's the point I'm going to make in year five. There's absolutely no chance that is acceptable in any way to lose to South Carolina. I don't care how well South Carolina is playing for who they are, the talent disparity between the two. If they lose this game, it's going to be because Texas A&M can't get a first down again. Yeah. There's no, there's no excuse. There's excuses. I mean, this team already lost to Apple state. So like it can get worse, I think, but year five losing on the road in a three point spread to South Carolina is one of those things that just like the water's on the boat now. Well, Ari, may, maybe if they have trouble scoring, they play the kid, and 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 that'll make you happy. So, yeah, we'll play the kid. Hopefully, <laughs> let's. If let's the kid move. comes into the game, I'm going to get in my car and start driving towards South Carolina. You I think they'll be back in College Station you, by the you time you get. You can't just drive away from an actual child in your house. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's she'll be fine. <laughs> you might get in trouble. Let, let's stay in the SEC. Head to Tuscaloosa. Mississippi State is a three touchdown underdog at Alabama. Does Alabama bounce back? I look. Mississippi State has been a horrific matchup for Alabama, or Alabama has been a horrific matchup for Mississippi State in the Saban era. Mississippi State, Sylvester Croom won the first one. They haven't won since. And I have no faith that they're going to be able to to move the ball after we just watched them get shut down by Kentucky. Uh, Did Ralph Russo tweet this the stat? Somebody tweeted the stat that when Alabama's coming off a loss and playing Mississippi State, their last two games, the average sco- uh, the score was seventy seven to three or something. <laughs> no. I would not want to play Alabama coming off a loss. First of all, um, also our friend Ralph Russo, friend of the pod, is is physically here, and I, I have them, I have photos of the two of them embracing the frenemies. <laughs> proof that they do get along. Um, but I, yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Alabama here. Yeah, I don't I don't think we really need to discuss that much more because history tells us what twenty one's a lot of points. Happen. And Mississippi State's not bad, but it's just yeah, it's a, it's lot. a terrible I mean, time to play them. I think that's a there's a little bit more to it than I'll just I'll just lay 21. But like I, I do think that I would not. I always say betting against Alabama is like betting against the Warriors in the NBA. It's like you might win a bet every now and then, but it's going to be awful watching it the whole time. So exactly. All right, let's go to the Big 12. Are you you saw TCU against Oklahoma State last week in person? K-State coming down. K-State getting three and a half points. This is a a really interesting game to me because I do feel like K-State can take some possessions out, can maybe get Max Duggan out of rhythm a little bit with some long drives. I kind of like the Wildcats in this one. Is every Big Ten game, or sorry, Big 12 game between two above average opponents spread just automatically default to three and a half? Like I feel like every single... Four, the one you were at yesterday was three and a half last week. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's three and a half every time. Um... I always worry about 
how much it took for a team to come back and win the Oklahoma State game last week, having enough left in the tank to have to do it again. And they might not have to come from behind, but the Big 12 is a you know, we you know what word we use a lot, and I think it's really strange. We use it at work, we use it in in terms of like how many stories you put up in the same hour or the, on the same topic, or um, you know what word I'm talking about when you every team eats at each like everybody says cannibalizing. And I'm watching the show Dahmer on Netflix right now, and I don't think I want to oh, use no. that word anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird word. Yeah, it's not it a weird a word, it actually role. makes sense. That's I know, it's just like yeah, it's like is 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 uh Kansas State literally going to eat TCU by putting it in a frying pan? I don't know. Um well but we know I, Adrian Martinez put steak in a blender just like me. We do. And so that is that's he was that's the, my inspiration for it. That's that's carnivore, not cannibal. It's a different word. True. Um, I'm not gonna put human in a blender. That's true. Yes. So my story will not cannibalize another story, nor will the Big 12 cannibalize each other. Um, but the entire idea of just like waiting for the other shoe to drop in the big 12, like a team that's going to go undefeated every single year or every single week until the end of the season. It's like, you are waiting for TCU to lose. And I think if TCU covers the spread or wins this game outright by even a point, we have to start adding them into the bulk of the conversations that we're having about the national picture that are going to begin next week. I think that's probably fair. I'll also say that. I thought that Oklahoma State might be a cut above the rest, right? I, I do think you know, you're talking about just how the lines have been basically the same for all the good Big 12 teams when they play each other. I think that's pretty reflective of the fact that like these are all teams that feel very close to each other in terms of talent and execution-wise. I think that TCU, this is a game where you say, are they a cut above everyone else? They just beat Oklahoma State. That's a good Oklahoma State team. We were just talking about them. And I think that Kansas State have also been looking at them a little bit differently based on the team they lost to. Tulane's a good football team. They got ranked yeah. for the first time since 1998. They are going to be a factor roll in wave. the roll wave. They're going to be a factor in the AAC race. So that kind of shifts about how I feel about them. We saw Adrian Martinez basically have two weeks of playing like games of his life, and he's he's been really good. So I'm with K-State on this as well. But Max Duggan has been awesome. He has been great as a runner. He's been a really special player, also playing better than he ever had in the course of his career. So TCU does kind of have a little bit of like mod magic in the bottle feel. Oklahoma, I mean, uh, yeah, that's right. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was a really you good team. You wanting to call them Oklahoma. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's been a long day. <laughs> that's I, a good I way smell, to make people instill water hate you. People, yeah, people definitely love when you get. No, no, I was going to say Oklahoma State's a really wrong. good football team, and TCU did a lot, of, a lot of good things last week to win that football game. Chris Vanini is writing a really good story about Max Duggan. Um, that's going to be running, I believe, next week or whenever it runs. It'll be good. Chris, who do you like in the Kansas State? He's sitting right here. Kansas State uh, plus three and a half at TCU or, or what? You laying three? Or I picked TCU. He picked TCU. So, you know, he's never lost a bet in his life. I'm going to go TCU too. There we go. All right. We've got a couple more. We go now to Happy Valley. <laughs> Penn State coming off, getting de-pantsed by Michigan and allowing me to eat $30 worth of Taco Bell. Allowing. See, allowing. allowing. That's how you know it was a, it was a bet that Such you wanted to do. Yeah. Minnesota's coming in. Penn State is a four-point favorite. Minnesota, uh, Tanner Morgan uh, got taken off the field against Illinois last week. So I, I feel like Penn State gets back in this game. I don't know. I still don't know how much I believe in them after what I saw last week because, you know, Minnesota is going to try to be physical with them. And we watched Michigan – have very little problem running on them. 
So this is one of the more interesting stats. Um, it's that Penn State tends to have the first loss of the season snowball into a second. So that has happened, I think, for the last five years. Oh, boy. Uh, and so this is... That's a good stat. One of those Dave Revson stats. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think it's an Audrey Snyder special. By the way. Oh, yeah, nice. Audrey is all over this. Um, so that gives me some hesitation. But yes, the, the Tanner Morgan injury is significant. Minnesota, um, there was a massive drop off when he, he comes out of the game. Even though he hadn't played well in their losses... Um, and has some interceptions. I mean, it's just, it's it's totally different. I think Penn State has to do this. We were talking about, like, kind of must-win games for teams that are, um, you know, that have these, like, long 10-year contracts with their coaches, right? And, like, you could just kind of be frustrated, but you can't really do anything about it. And it feels that way about Penn State because we come out of these games against Ohio State and Michigan talking about the gap that still exists. And you had James Franklin talking about the body sizes and the type of player that, you know, he wants Which on the team. He's kind of line. throwing his team under the bus. Well, a that was bit, weird. Right? It's like you've been recruiting these guys. Like, I was going to say, he recruited it. <laughs> That's on him. Yeah. So, um, again, I think things are very uncomfortable and frustrated in, in state college. I think Penn State, like, has to win. Minnesota, quarterback health. Big deal. So I'm going to take the Nittany Lions, but I actually really don't feel good about this at all. I wouldn't actually bet on this game because You're take, taking State them under protest, understandable. Under protest, under protest. I'm just not going to take this game at all. I don't. I don't think we should watch it unless there's a an adult present. We have unless to there's watch unless there's nine <laughs> overtimes like <laughs> Illinois Penn State last well, year. No children should be watching it. Yes. All right. Let's go to one more. This one's available exclusively on Peacock, everybody. I'll let you take this one, Nicole. About UNLV yeah. is a 26 and a half point dog at Notre Dame. UNLV is Ooh. four and three, but have been smoked by San Jose State and Air Force in the last couple of weeks. But Notre Dame just lost to Stanford. I repeat, Notre Dame just lost to Stanford. Okay, so can we can we can we defer? Can we ask Chris Vanini about this one again? Yes, UNLV. 100%. Plus 26 and a half points, Notre Dame. And a half. And a half. And a half. Is, do, do you buy UNLV? I don't buy UNLV. He said he does not buy them. But I don't buy Notre Dame. But he also doesn't buy Notre Dame. <laughs> this is, that, this is a tough one. It's an icky like, line. It's, it's so many points. And Notre Dame, I mean, like, Notre Dame it's, against North Carolina yeah, looks fantastic. Good, but... <laughs> They should be able to run. I was watching the App State game on Thursday night because I'm a on Wednesday night because I'm a sicko. Yeah, and Georgia State went up fourteen nothing really fast. Then App <laughs> State found out that they, the that Georgia State couldn't stop them from running the ball, and they did that thing that we do in Madden, where they run the a variation of one of the three same plays over and over and over and again. And we're getting seven or eight yards per yeah. play, and then they ended up winning forty two to seventeen. And I'm wondering, can can Notre Dame not line up? in the eye formation and hand it off to a running back and get six yards of carry on, what, this, on what, this team? One would hope, but will Tommy Reese do that? Think, Ari, I don't I think that they can. I texted you about a, a, a game. Why, why, did, why are they in a position I, where they I think, the talent I, to do that? I, I mean, Andy, what, I mean, what would you say top three things? I mean, the call, you're, you're right about Tommy Reese. I mean, I think the way that he's called these games, I think quarterback play has been a limiting factor, I think – it's bad when your best player is the tight end and he's the only player. Like he cannot be your only offense. He cannot be a hundred percent of your offense. That's not how it works. I mean, yeah, it, it happened in Iowa. Well, yeah, and, and you together. talked about the Appalachian state, Georgia state game. So Appalachian state ran for 404 yards in that game. And it, it's, it, it's, it's like a game I texted Ari about earlier this week. Cause I was trying to remember 
What was the game that Ryan Day forgot for two and a half quarters that he could just hand off? Oh, and physically, it was the 2020 Big Ten Championship against Northwestern. Yep. And like, I don't understand when coaches can't see this. Like, we are physically superior to this team. They could put 11 in the box and we could still run the ball. So let's just do that and get the hell out of here. Yes. I'd volunteer to cover this game if it was a if it was an away game for Notre Dame. They they were just in Stop Vegas it. two weeks ago. I know you should have gone to that one. <laughs> I just, those, those, those uniforms were so ugly. I didn't want my my face to melt off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listen, I, I am not confident enough to take you in LV because I know I've been I would go with the Irish too. But if this is now, here's a question. The fact that this is on the list is just embarrassing. If this Let's game is close wrong. in the in the third quarter, how many subscriptions does Peacock gain? How many? You have the Amex many, Platinum, right? Yes. You get Peacock for free then. I already have it. Yeah, I have it. Yeah, Peacock. yeah. But but here here's my question. How many more potential lows are there for the Marcus Freeman first year? I mean, I don't know if this would be the lowest. Uh, right? After the Stanford game, I, I'm not sure there's a limit. I'm not. The limit does not exist. Because Stanford's a low. Marshall's a low. Stanford's a Power five team at least. True, but and it was their UNLV first. Like they weren't playing like one. Blown off it was also week. their first win against an FC, FBS team in like thirteen games, yeah, right? I, I mean, it was. It's been bad. It's been bad. They. That's one where it's like, could you just end the season today? I think you'd take it. Just wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Notre Dame, run the ball every time. Get the hell out of there. I think Tinder hot adult dating site has a question. But yep. we can just she found it. us. <laughs> She's back in the chat every, section for the every live time. YouTube. Every every episode <laughs> me, now. I think I think it's me. I'm I'm a Tinder hot at best adult dating site. Well, Damn. listen, you you were one Ari who, in your single days, did a lot of work on those. I sites, had a mech, so. yeah. I, was, I did the the Running Man. You know what that is? Where you just kind of go like swipe this, like the screen to swipe. Right. Yeah. I I do have I've had male friends who've done that. I mean, yeah. we are we are recording this on Ari's laptop, so it also found found Ari's laptop specifically. Yeah, that's hmm. crazy. And this is why I have not set up the company computer yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. Tell Bill Hancock oh and Greg God. Sankey and, and Kevin I'm Warren kidding. I say hi. Nicole, I believe we're going to time travel with you. If you're listening to this as a, as a podcast listener, you're probably going to hear Nicole at the front of this show explaining what the heck happened in this CFP meeting. So you, you've already heard her. And then you're going to hear her with cottage cheese again, and it's going to be amazing. So yeah, it's been it's been a big day. Do you want to take this? No, nope, absolutely you not. You in your room? <laughs> absolutely not. Nope, that can go straight back to the Wasserman household. It's a catabolic yeah. food. It takes more to burn than than it does to. Well, I'm, I'm doing it all true? wrong, but you're supposed to eat it. It's good for you. I don't know. That's like a cucumber. That can't be true. I'll do a cucumber. Eat, if I ate this whole thing, no. it's ninety cal. It's ninety calories for six servings, which means. But that's like five hundred and forty calories. Think right? Pop. You yeah, look like five hundred and forty calories. Would it take more than five hundred and forty calories for my body to burn it? Probably because you chew all the gross little like cheese. So basically, in theory, if you were starving curdling. to death and you ate cottage cheese, you would still die. Probably, but I think you'd also explode if you ate that entire package. So please don't. I like cottage please cheese. Don't. Okay, well. Sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. Thanks for for Ari's going to punish punish himself by eating an entire carton of cottage cheese. Yeah, I'm going to just it's, I'm going to take this baby to go. Put it. I'm going to put a belt on the front seat. Make sure it doesn't spill, and we'll get it back home. It's been a pleasure, and we will talk to you after the games.